0: Ur of the Chaldees with his sons and their wives and traveled, or set off to travel to Canaan. Who was it? Terra. Most people, if you ask them that, were you going to say Terra, weren't you? You say Abraham. Thanks, Celia. That was the answer I was hoping (laughs) for. Because it wasn't Abraham, it was Terra. And I noticed something else. What was the name of Terah's son that died? Haran. Yeah? And they travelled from uh, the Chaldees and they stopped at a place and the name of the place was? Haran. Stop the top class. I'm trying to lead up a garden path and she's saying, no, this is the path, this is the path. Stay in it, stay in the path. That's great, that's great. And all of a sudden I got this this, this picture of Terah. Was the one who had the vision to go up to Canaan, not Abraham. Never ever seen that before. He says he got his family together and they set off. And um, of colleagues was here, and the Canaan was here, and they went all the way up there. Anybody want to know that? Why was that? Um. Well, to get to Harry, yeah, but why did he no why didn't he go that way? Why didn't he go that way? Yeah, they followed the rivers. They followed the water supply. So they went, they went north and then they came west and came down. But they got to Haran. And, and I just realised, I've never noticed it before, that the son who died was Haran. And they came to a place called Haran. And this is where the conjecture comes. The rest, that's all fact. But I, I suddenly got this picture that, that Tara remembered his son who had died because he'd come to a place that bore his son's name. And every time he, he wrote to somebody, he would put his address at the top. 10th 7, site 6, Haran. And every time he communicated with somebody, he was he was reminded of his son that he'd lost. And it says that they settled in Haran. Not just Terah, but Abraham and and, um, and Lot and, and, and Sarai and and, and, and that's where they stayed until Terah died. And then they went on. And then God spoke to Abram and he came down into Cana. Not really where I want to preach on this morning. But it suddenly occurred to me that there's a message in here for somebody. And the message is don't die in Haran. Because Terah set off to go from Ur to Cana, not to Haran. But he's settled at Haram. And if we settle in a place where it doesn't complete the journey, we will always have something missing. There will always be something that we need. So the message this morning, is: before I go to what i prepared, is don't die in Haram. Don't wait too long before you put into action the ministry, the gifting, the action... That silly idea that you've always played with and you're convinced that God gave you, but it never seems the right time to do it. It's now. Now's the time to do it. Yeah, go off to Pakistan as a missionary. Go to the moon to be the first evangelical there. Whatever it might be. It's a bit silly that, but you know what I'm saying? There are things in our hearts that God's put there. The terror, it was to go to Cana. He never got there, he died in Haran because he allows something to stop him from progressing. I just want to go forward in time a little bit to to Joshua chapter 3, and and this is why I want to minister on this this morning. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know the way to go since we have never been this way before. I have never been on this anything like this before. And it just seemed appropriate as we were coming back into here to, 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 for that to sort of come to life. And, and then also to be shown it and almost have it taken away. And we need to recognise that sometimes, as Jacob did, he wrestled with God. And there was a mark on his life for the rest of his life because he tried to wrestle with God. If you actually look, it was probably Jesus who he was wrestling with. A pre-incarnation appearance of the Lord Jesus, but, but that's that's as it were. Uh, but they were saying about following the, the the ark. The reason they could follow the ark was was that the ark was treated differently. Most whenever the, the the Israelites got off and they moved out from one place to another, they would pack everything into carts. All the the, the gold um, dishes and bowls and. And things they would get wrapped up and put into carts and they would be pulled uh, along the journey until they, they got all the things again from there and set up the tabernacle and it was, put, it was taken down and then it was reset up but he said when you go follow the ark the ark wasn't put in a cart if you know your bible you know that there was a time when it was put in a cart and it caused somebody to die because they hadn't done it the right way but that's another story Lots of digressions this morning, um, but it, but what they did, they were they lifted the ark up on poles, and it was put on their shoulders. So the ark was high; must have been eight, nine feet up, and they were told to keep back so everybody could look and see where it was going. And that's what it means: follow that way, follow the presence of God. The ark is. It's symbolic of the presence of God. That's why He was there, and it had to be lifted up. That's why it was carried that way, because it was God's presence. All the other religious paraphernalia was put into the carts and brought out. It was, it was all necessary for, 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 for to fulfill their, their duties, but it wasn't the presence of God. And the presence of God was a priority, and that's what we need to crave for—to be in His presence. That's God has prepared a path for us. We can go another way. We can choose to digress from the path. We can drift hoping that we may by the grace of God find our way home. The path is easy, I believe, in, to travel on. We just need to follow to ignore the distractions, ignore our own desires, and submit to God. Let Him lead the way. And if we can't see, then just step back a little bit and look get the picture and just see Pass the weight? You follow the way that he is leading. And that is the key to success in a fight. Submit yourself to God. Moving on, because I'm taking much longer than I thought. God sows seed within our hearts and at the right time it will produce a crop. Whatever we sow we'll get. I was talking to somebody recently and they were saying when they were at school, they, they um, used to really give the teachers a hard time, just get them, get them upset. They were just out to do it. And that was going through to all levels. And um, when A-levels came up, this person decided they would be more serious about it, um, and uh, about what they were doing. But they found that they still wound people up resist the temptation because they got into a habit they got into a, 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 a way something that had been shown in their life that shouldn't be there so in the same way that we sow things in sometimes we need to remove things in order to let us be more fruitful and more blessed it's funny when you look closely how history repeats itself i believe it's because god wants to give us another chance or to give us a preview of what he wants to do for us we can usually make mistakes because we think uh, we know what we're doing. The disciples do that all the time. But we just need to submit to God and allow the mistakes to teach us what to do. What to do. We'll come back to Joshua at the end. Uh, but I want to go back to Genesis again. Where it says, Terah took his son Abraham, this is what we are talking about before, his grandson Lot to Haran, and his daughter in law Sarai, the wife of the son Abraham, and together they set out for Ur and of the, the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. This is a good place to be, they thought. But as I said, "Don't die in Haran." After Terah died, it says the Lord said to Abraham, "Go from your country." He'd already left his country, but God said to him, "Go from your country." You see, sometimes we we can be in a place where we we know God's spoken to us and we've progressed to somewhere else. But then God comes and says, I want you to move on from there as well. Haran was Abram's country. It's second there. But he says, Come from your country, from your people, from your household, to a land that I will show you. Abraham travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Mamre, and and it just Goes on telling us that it says that he built an altar uh, in, in verse 7, and then later on, as he'd gone again, he built another altar. And they, they were like testimonies, the same as we've heard a testimony this morning, and that's encouraging. I, I thought it was encouraging, I thought it was really encouraging. And, and we hear these things, and, and when they happen to us personally, it's like a, a testament that's written down that we can draw on to, to, to find encouragement. And these altars, Abraham built as reminders to other people, but for him mainly that when he comes along he says, oh yeah that's when God did this for me that's when he opened that door that's when he met this need, that's when he revealed himself to me and he came through this journey and he was was building altars recognising what God was doing and he came to the point where God wanted him to be and there was a famine there's a famine. And how would we respond to that? God, you brought us here, and there's nothing to eat. Why have you brought us here? But no, Abraham had this faith. That he knew if God had directed, then God would supply the need. He knew that God would be a blessing. And, and, and what he did, and this is so interesting. I wish I had enough time to go through this, really. There was a famine in the land, it says in verse 10. And Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to go Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know that you're a beautiful woman. Uh, the Egyptians will say, we'll kill him and we'll, she can be Pharaoh's wife. And he says, tell everybody you're my sister. Tell everybody you're my sister. And he says, Abraham came to Egypt and the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they placed her to Pharaoh and she was taken to his palace. This is all so wrong, isn't it? It's so wrong, but this is Abraham's soul. Yeah. He treated Abraham well for a sake, and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female goats, male and female servants, and camels. The Lord inflicted a serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife Sarah. Sarah summoned Abraham. What have you done to me? Why did not you tell me she was your wife? Why did not you say why did you say she's your sister? I'm why. Here is your wife, take her and go. Then he, then Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men and sent them on their way with his wife and everything he had. Very strange story, except when you look at it in the context of what was going to happen in the next few hundred years. Because things were happening there that would be replicated. And I just want to pick on a few this morning to encourage us to wait on God and hear from him. Because he does bring us back to places where we've made wrong decisions and allow us to make other decisions. He does want to prepare us for the future if we will listen to him. But sometimes, you know, you're telling somebody something. I tried to tell my grandson, I tried to see him yesterday. I tried to tell him a, a, a testimony that had happened to me. I'm going to probably share it on... Um, I'll preach next week now. Uh, but I'd be telling him the story and then it just lays over. And you know we have lost him. So I wait for him to come back. And then, then I turn a bit more and he lasers over again. And, uh, it's not exciting enough. It's not a it's not computer-generated story. It's not. Um, and, we, and sometimes we could be like that. And God just brings us back to that place again. He says, okay, are you ready to listen now? This is what I want you to do. Not in your strength. But in this. And we need to to, to respond to that. Abraham went to Egypt as a powerful man and he was unkind to his wife. Joseph went to Egypt as an obscure slave who was chased by his boss's wife. Not absolute parallels, but there's a definite link to going down to to Egypt. Abraham went down At the time of famine to Egypt, he met Pharaoh and became wealthy. Jacob sent his sons because of the famine. And he went down and met Pharaoh and he died in Egypt. But he had a little uh, plan. He says, when I die, bury me in Cana. He was going to end up where he should have been. And although he died somewhere else, he still wanted... Physical fulfilment of, of, of being there, and, uh, and we just need to have that passion right up to death to serve him. Abraham um, saw serious diseases come on Pharaoh, who sent him away from Egypt. But Moses, Pharaoh wouldn't let him go. So there were ten plagues that came along, and then he left, and he took plundered them. He went off as a, uh, richer than. Can you see how God is working things together? He can, so, he can show in Abraham's life generations of, 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 of men who would follow of, of his relatives who would have to face situations more grave than his, but the foundation was there that their faith in it, that Abraham had was passed on to his family and there was an ability to minister that was beyond their physical ability. God is the God of the second chance. Job in chapter 33 says, "God has delivered me from going down to the pit, and I shall live to enjoy the light of life." God does all these things to a person twice, even three times. He's saying God won't give up on you. God won't do that. The devil will tell you that you've made a mistake and that's you finished. You need to tell him that Jesus has won the victory and he's finished. You're going to be determined to serve God in in, in this generation and know God's anointing upon you. In Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive my brother and sister who have sinned against me? Up to seven times, Lord. So Peter's expecting to to, to, to have to fulfill that forgiveness and being given someone a second chance seven times. Job was only two or three times. But Jesus says, no, 77 times. And some people say it's 70 times 7 times. God wants us to reflect his grace in our lives. Lamentations chapter 3 says, Yet th- yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The love of God is is beyond our wildest dreams. And we just dabble in it sometimes. Just dabble in it. His provision for us is is is, is wonderful. And if we just realised what he's wanted to do, test me, says in John. And just see, you know, Paul. A blessing into you, it's usually used to try and get people to tithe but God wants more than a tenth, he wants everything he wants every part of us, and then he blesses us with things just to help to sustain us, But he wants us to give all to him and 1 John 1 says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness if we ask, we'll be forgiven. If we trust in him, we will be blessed by him. We can't meet like this again for another few weeks. But we will do. We will do. And it will be a great time. Because God has got great things in store for us. I'm to, I was going to tell you this story next to week. After. This is the one I tried to tell my grandson. Because I, for me, it's very, very personal. Very, very personal. I have a story that I, I, I'm sure, Sean and Amy, I'm sure I've told it at the youth probably a couple of times, actually. And, and, and I've used it when I've been preaching. It's, the story's 54 years old. It's something that happened to me 54 years ago. And um, it was a great answer to prayer um, at, at the time. And I, it was my first day at high school. And um, my caring, loving parents had sent me off. They didn't even go with me to make sure I got there safely. Just get off the school. You'll be all right. And I remember walking and praying. because I was scared. They all these stories about what they do. They pick you up and throw you into thorn bushes. They, uh, they, they, they come up behind you and put you in your ears. And they do all sorts of things. And I was terrified. I'd just taken it all in. Absolutely terrified. And I was praying. And I was... Actually, as a young 11 year old walking up the road praying for the second coming to come, come now, Lord, come now, it's a good time. Come on, come on. But he didn't. And I went into the school, uh, and I I went into the entrance, and the building was there. And I went and I stood against the wall. I thought, at least they're not going to get me without I see him coming. And I stood with my back to the wall. And, and just waited, and then, I knew it was inevitable. This lad came, he came walking up, he was bigger than me. Walking up, looking at me. And I thought, don't look scared, don't look scared. Just just, just think before you speak. He came up to he said, are uh, you a new boy? I said, yeah. Shots. Yeah, uh, yeah. He said, "Oh, so am I. Will you be my friend?" an answer to prayer. Michael Thorpe, I'll never forget him. Most of the names I have to work really hard at, but Michael Thorpe, no problem. I could tell you all about we. We were friends, but not close friends. But on that day, he was more than a friend. He was an answer to prayer. Prayer answer to prayer. We, we need a new front door, um, and we keep missing chances to ring up the window the people. Uh, anyway, I was walking into town just last week, just week long and there's a guy fitting a window, uh, a door, in the, in the house, um, so I just called him over, said, you have done a good job there, Can you, you know, you've got a card. And he said, I don't think I've got any of the so he went and looked in his van and he came and said, no, no letterheads, no cards, nothing, I'm sorry. I said, I said, okay. I said, well, that door, what's, the, what's all that? How, how much is that? What would this surround cost? I've got this. He said, well, if you have that, that door, it be cheaper. If you do it this way, it'll be a bit cheaper. I think he realised where I was coming from. And telling me the cheapest way of getting the job done well. And, um, and, and I was listening, it was very, very... Very very helpful and good. And I said, but I've got a card." And I looked at his van, and I said, "Oh, oh I know I won't forget what you are. I'll look at your numbers You're on the internet. Yeah, I says, "Right, I'll I'll find you later." So on the side of the van, it said Mike Thorpe. So I thought, "Wow, yeah, I can I can get this." So I said, "I, I won't forget. I know I will uh, remember the name of the company." And they looked at it process said, well, I'll tell you the story. Why? So I told him the story. So he came up to us, was school, praying. Really, I'd never met him before. So I am really praying for God. I didn't mention the second coming. Didn't, didn't mention that. I thought that might just complicate things. But I told him I was praying and I was really scared and worried. And I came in and, um, uh, and, and this lad came and, and he was a good friend. And and he looked at me and he says, what school was it? He said, Manor school. He says, "Oh, that was my dad. That was my dad." And you know, I don't know why, but I just I just feel all that emotion coming back again. I got, my eyes are watering. And and God does that. Fifty-four years since that occurred. It's, it must be. Getting on for 50 years since I last saw Michael Thorpe. And I find myself talking to his son. And probably this week we're going to ring up and get him to come out and give us a, an estimate for the, for the job. But the twist to this is that he recognised the story. Because he asked, which school was it? He just wanted a bit of clarification. Was it just a coincidence? It wasn't so that prayer request all those years ago. He must have known, he must have known, and we don't know the effect that we have on people. And after all those years, that contact's been made. I need to follow that through. I've not followed it through yet because I didn't want to appear too eager. You know, asking somebody for a first date is difficult, isn't it? You know, God's always sowing things in our lives and some things we won't know until we get to heaven. We won't be aware of what they are. But we need to celebrate his goodness to us. And uh, and in the same way as Noah just didn't want to know yesterday the story, he he, he does want to know and he's got his own faith and uh, and I can see God's hand on him he's a lovely, lovely child. And we have to recognise that, that people are different to us. And then when God speaks to you, it won't be the same way that he speaks to your husband, your wife, your parents, your children. It'll be a unique way. And it will be in things that will be a blessing to you. For 54 years I've been telling that story. And after 54 years I tell the story to this son of the hero. Amazing. Father, I thank you for this time together with you this morning. We thank you for fellowship and we pray for those who weren't able to be with us through uh, holidays, through illness, through, uh, through fear. Uh, and we just pray that we will lift our eyes above COVID and see Jesus. And that we will be the people not who, uh, who disdain the, the battle against this virus, that we will be the ones to set the example of uh, social distancing, of responsibility, of caring for the needs of those around us, that we will be people of the kingdom of God, ready to serve you in whatever way. Lord, as I just conclude this service this morning, I pray for Michael Thorpe. I pray that if he doesn't know you yet, that his own Lord and Saviour. That through this reunion, at whatever level it is, that something will be communicated that will touch his heart. I thank you for using him all those years ago to be a blessing to me. And I pray that I might be an even bigger blessing to him. For your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen.